Hi there, I'm Neil Osborne, lead singer of 5440. Welcome to the music. Thank you so much for joining me today. Good to be here. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I never like talking about my age, so I, I must apologize up front. Um, I'm very, I hate talking about my age just because I feel like I've wasted time. But regardless, you guys have been around for a while. You started mm-hmm. off as young men. Mm-hmm. You now, most of you, if not all of you, have families. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've stuck together, yeah. uh, especially you and Brad. What, how, how have you stayed together? What's the magic sauce? I don't know what the magic sauce is, but I guess in some ways we you stick together because you survive together. You go through things together, right? Yeah. And we never really chased the spotlight so much as just protected, you know, our, our, our initial phrase was we just want to survive, you know, we want to get up to the next gig, next album. Okay. And, and just sort of do it from that point of view, not like we want to be number one and whatever it takes or this yeah. kind of thing. And maybe if we did, we would, but, <laughs> uh, you know, Brad used to have a saying, if you chase the spotlight, it might burn you. So, uh, you know, but, you know, things kind of grew at our at a pace that we could manage for us. Yeah. So that's probably part of it. All right. Loyalty, you know, defined roles became quite natural. Yeah. I mean, we always had a, a good bands, always seemed to get the right people. Didn't matter if you could play well or even that right instrument, as long as you could hang with that person in the van for two weeks, you yeah. know, straight. Then that's the right person. Wait, so who was the person that couldn't play? Well, all, all, to... <laughs> of us, all of us kind of figured it out as we went along. Yeah, yeah. One of um, uh, Greg, who's my co-host, and my favorite interviews mm-hmm. over the past few years was with Candle. Okay. We just had a great time. Through a lot of laughs. I'm hoping she had a good time. Yes. Chat, she chatting with did. us. Yeah. Enjoyed it. Yeah, she would. Have. Um, you guys work together. Mm-hmm. Um, how? What? This is what I want to ask. What do you learn from her? I'm sure there's a lot of things she learns from you. But what do you learn from her? Um. Well. I learned that creativity can come from just about anywhere. I don't know how she does it, to be quite honest. She yeah. doesn't. Her process is very different from mine. Okay. Her lyrics, I often go, how did you think of that way to get there, this way, or that rhyme, you know, that and that phrase? Uh, you know, she doesn't know. It just comes out of her, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? And same with her melodies, like... When we did that thing together with the family curse, yeah, uh, I had a melody in mind, but I didn't tell her what it was, and then she just went and sang on a completely different melody. And I'd be like, "Wow, <laughs> where did that come from?" Yeah, you know. So I appreciated that even even within the DNA, there's different perspectives on how to approach music. Yeah, it's really cool, actually. How it it must be very different working with her versus working with the band. Do you sort of let her, being the young one? run off in whatever direction she wants when you guys are working on the family curse or uh the family the curse dynamic? role is pretty defined i yeah. mean i just he would come up with the music i mean it started out as me just playing some blues riffs that i was like i don't know what to do with this yeah. what do you want to do with me? would you do something with this and then we formed the band sort of out of that right so she would handle all the duties like lyrics and the melody yeah you know and and that her performance wouldn't include right and I would just play groovy guitar riffs and progressions and come up with some drum patterns. And, you know, so that's how that came about. She 
she doesn't really need me anymore. <laughs> yeah. She never really did in the last, <laughs> you know, last little while. But she's making a new record. It sounds really great. Yeah. I have absolutely nothing to do with it, you know, except words of encouragement when I hear bits nice. and pieces. Yeah. It's just like for, I know Greg feels the same way, but as a father myself, it would be like one of our dreams is that our kids will still want to hang out with us. Yeah. You know? So that, that must be great. I don't know how you feel about it, but oh, I yeah. it's no, gratifying to you. Candle's a great hang with anybody. Yeah. yeah I'm, 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 we have quite a lot of fun. I was um, I went on Facebook the other day and I just said, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm having the opportunity to chat with you. Um, does anybody have any questions? And mm. Erica, Erica M. Hi, Erica. Submitted a couple of questions. Um, what I wanted to ask was the impact of much music on 5440 did it did it matter much did it uh i think was i ta- i was, think i was talking to brad and he said it was kind of a little bit late or but your, your thoughts on much music and 5440 oh i think it was instrumental in breaking okay. us yeah okay i think my you know this is my recollection although we even yeah. have that within the band now it's like no i remember it this way and I, <laughs> I remember it that way no it was me that said that no it was you that said that whatever so having qualified that yeah <laughs> uh you know we were came from an alternative scene you know and it was sort of at that time mid 80s you know 85 86 it was rock radio was still sort of the hair bands mm. you know the uh, the motley cruise or whatever the hair bands were in the pop rock vein and the alternative scene you know bands like the clash still really didn't make the radio once in a while one would squeak through yeah uh but much music was all over it okay. so Baby Rand came out as a single and some of the rock radio across the country either were very tepid or didn't even touch it until it became heavy rotation on much music and then everybody jumped on because they realized they were falling behind the eight ball mm-hmm. that's my perception of it okay. anyway so they were huge yeah. and then we would always make sure with a single the next three or four or five six albums that we had a video and they would you know they would take it and play it and that would be kind of the first launch and then radio would kind of be right there oh. yeah. I remember One Gun was a huge hit on Much mm-hmm. like they they really pumped up that song yeah and played it a lot yeah yeah. I would say they played it more than radio did at the time now yeah. it's just then it became a staple on radio yeah and of course Much Music doesn't really play music anymore I don't so. even know if they're properly it's, it's a different <laughs> channel now yeah than, yeah. than, than when we, what we remember although there is the, um, a documentary coming out yes it has come out but it's Canadian debuts sometime next month oh okay cool yeah okay. Um, I wanted to I wanted so the new album mm-hmm. is coming out uh, you played one of the songs the last time you were at the Horseshoe uh, we're a West Coast band yeah um I was listening to a interview that Robbie Robertson gave a, a while ago before he passed. Right. And he talked about, I think someone had asked him about getting back together with the band. And he said, if we were making new music, I'm all for it. But I don't want to just be one of those bands that just goes around and plays. I want to, I want to my challenge is writing new stuff. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to ask you, um, you know why this new album? Is it something that you you need to do? Is that a creative juice that you need to, or you know something that you need to do creatively? Is playing just the hits good enough for you? Like, what, where do you stand on 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 fifty four forty and, and and moving forward? Always, we've we've always had you know an unwritten rule that 
we've got to be stay creative. Okay. S- stay wanting to make music. Yeah. Um, you know, now it's pretty lucrative for us to go out there and play the hits, especially in the summer festival seasons. Yeah. And we still try to squeak in a new song or an old deep cut. Um, uh, so I suppose if we didn't write music, we would probably still play. But we never stop playing, never stop writing, never stop making new albums. All right. In fact, you know, this one's coming out soon, but we're already, you know, poking around in some new ideas. For okay. Go on following. All right. That's it's just important as, you know, it's funny. In a rock and roll band, it's kind of interesting because it's a lot of different things at the same time. You know, when you sign a record contract, they call you the artist, right? So you think of yourself as an artist. And creatively, you know, I think of myself as an artist. I make music and songs and express certain ideas and mm. concepts and put musical ideas together and we fashion them as a band and as a group and it's a sound and all these other things. But we're also entertainers. We're also businessmen, you know. Yeah. We're also whatever we are. So it's interesting because it, it's, it, in the, in as far as a band and a rock band goes, it's, it's all a lot of different jobs at the same time. Yeah. Um, I wanted to, I've got a couple of more questions. Mm-hmm. Um, I read somewhere you had the opportunity to have dinner. I don't know if it was planned or not, but in 2005 with Ron Wood. Yeah. Tell me about that. And, and, and do you, do you, do you get, do you get starstruck? You know, people look to you and go, oh my goodness, you're, you know, they, when I, they heard that I was interviewing you, they go, oh my God, 5440. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you get starstruck? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me about this dinner. So we got a, it's, I won't go too long with it. Okay. But uh, we got the opening slot to, uh, for the Stones, the only opening s- slot for the Saddle Dome in Calgary, 2004, I guess, 2005. And uh, we did a warm-up show right before that in Banff, you know, because we thought, well, let's, let's go get a d- good, dirty rock show behind our belt. Yeah. And then we'll go, you know, to Calgary and, and, and open for the Stones. And we heard all kinds of stories from other bands that we know that open for the Stones. It's like, yeah, you, you know, you meet them, they, they get you a photo, and then that's it. You know, blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, that's cool. Sure. We'll take that. <laughs> you know, however however it comes. So uh, we get a rumor going, there's a rumor going around that, uh, that some of the Stones might be in Banff. And indeed, they had a week off. They okay. The road, they had a week off. And so Ronnie Wood was in Banff. So was Charlie, but he didn't come go out that night. And Ronnie Wood shows up with like five New Zealand rugby players, bodyguards, you know, oh, wow. radios, yeah. and the whole bit. And they, so we, uh, he was there, and there's all the yellow tape with these arrows around the club where he could go, and they would escort him around. But I'd see this little head bopping around, we're playing, and it was a great crowd. It was like sold out, 500 people packed, you know, crushing against the stage. And we got up to the dressing room, and it was like, wow, that was, you know, we'd see the silhouette of. Obviously, was Ronnie was a Rolling Stone. You could yeah. sort of tell, and then all of a sudden, these hear these giant footsteps come up, you know, above the club in the dressing room, and we're just sort of just having a beer, decompressing, sweating like crazy because it was a hot club. And then you know, the guy goes uh, in his New Zealand accent, "Do you mind if uh, Ronnie comes up and says hi?" I'm like, no. <laughs> and he sort of scams up the stairs, like, "Guys, guys, that was so much fun. Can't wait to you know play with us." You know, tomorrow at the saddle down, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to the pool hall across the street. Why don't you come over and, and, you know, get yourselves cleaned up and come on over. So we did. Nice. We walk in there. And, of course, we walk in there and there's all these security guys. Like, who the hell do you think you are? Right? <laughs> who are these kids coming? And, and we hear, guys, guys. And it's Ronnie. He's like, waves us through. And mm. 
he wants to play pool and drink beer and it was, yeah. it was just a hoot so you know we're already ahead of the game from what other bands told us and then we, we arrive at the gig and he's there to greet us and then he takes us to meet Charlie and Keith to Keith's dressing room and yeah. then we met Mick and it was like well this is so weird and unreal and it was like <laughs> and they were the nicest guys you know this yeah. thing especially Keith you know once he sort of figured out and we, we dropped a couple names like Don Smith and Dave Jordan, who he would work with mm-hmm. on his expensive wino stuff and then and, and some stone stuff. And, and you know, he could sort of sense he could you know, you can talk band talk. It doesn't matter who it is. Yeah. And it's very disarming and it's very cool and he's just like, Yeah, how's it going? And da 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 and a little guitar talk and oh yeah, how's Moondog doing? Yeah, yeah, cool. Well, you know, have a good time and da da da. It's just no patronizing at all. It's nice. Really, it was just so so just two fun. musicians just well, you could tell. I mean, they, they could. T- I mean, think that they were so excited that we were so excited. I think it was a mutual <laughs> exchange of energy, and you know, we were just over them. I was like seeing Santa Claus and believing that Santa Claus is real. That's how I felt, yeah. And uh, if, with all of them, and then uh, I think they just got a kick out of us getting a kick out of being there. So uh, they had a really good show, too. So it was, it was a lot of fun, it was nice. a highlight of our career for sure. All right, yeah. <laughs> uh, you're playing tomorrow night, yeah. At the Elma Combo. Did you ever play the original room? No, we did not. Okay. By the time we arrived in the Toronto, Toronto scene, yeah, uh, we, cause we used to always go down to California and back in okay. the early 80s. So we didn't get here until Baby Ran was sort of a number one, uh, 86. And okay. the Elma was kind of on its last legs. Yeah. Right about then, nothing much was really going on there. Okay. You know. We have a, a segment on the show called Lost Venues. Mm. So places you've played... Maybe you've got a sad story, a funny story, a great story, but the place doesn't exist anymore. I'm wondering if there's a lost venue that you could... Well, there's a Dardanella. I don't think they do anything anymore. Where's, what is, what's the name? Dardanella in... Uh, okay. Where's that, Lake Muskoka or something like that? Alan? Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. That was a good club. It was an old 1920s music hall. Uh, I'm trying to think of any other venues that don't exist anymore. Lots. Don't there must be out in like Vancouver, probably well, a bunch. There's the Savoy that doesn't exist. Smile Buddha doesn't exist. That was the first gig that we had. Um, what's the one? The uh, the Cave. Another one. Yeah. A lot of great Vancouver venues. Uh, what was that first venue you played at? You got Smile as a band. Smile Buddha. Okay. We named an album after it. Smile Buddha Cabaret. Ah. Yeah. And that's that's long gone. Yeah. And that was your first show. Yeah. And was it, I heard you guys were talking with Alan Cross mm-hmm. um, about your first show was also a day in music history. Was it Lennon? Yeah. So the first official 5440 show was New Year's Eve 1980 at the Small Buddha Cabaret. But three weeks before that, when John Lennon was shot, we went to an open, it was kind of like a, a new new music Monday at a, at a at a cover band club so okay. if you were an original band you could you could go up and do six songs and we booked that night so that was a pretty freaky and pretty heavy vibe and everybody was very serious and somber and we played our hearts out you know it was like this is for John you know that kind of thing yeah you had six originals at that time yeah yeah Yeah. I don't know how well we played <laughs> we had them <laughs> yeah that yeah. is awesome and we called ourselves 5440 that night but yeah the first official gig was was a few weeks, three weeks later. Okay. Neil, thank you so much. Thank you. For your time, I really appreciate it. No worries. I'm always happy to talk. Mm-hmm.